All right, so in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want you to notice verse 5, it says, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believe? Now, this morning, we went through 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and we looked at salvation and how it's something that is spiritually discerned. And obviously, the gospel, you've got to have the Holy Spirit in order to understand it, in order to learn it. And then, after we get saved... The Holy Spirit continues to teach us things, not just man. The Holy Spirit continues to teach us things and that gives us a fuller understanding and a real understanding when it comes to the things of God. Because anybody can teach you trivia. Anybody can teach you, you know, what answers that you should give to certain questions. Anybody can do that. And if you have people that do that and help you with those things, that's good, that's a blessing, but ultimately, we want the Holy Spirit teaching us, don't we? And there's many things that you we could all give testimonies that the Holy Spirit taught us, maybe through experience, maybe through when we were reading our scriptures, maybe when we were listening to preaching. But when it comes to the facts, often it's people that teach you those things. And isn't it good to know biblical facts? Are biblical facts not beneficial? Of course they are, because all scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it is profitable for doctrine, for approval, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And the when it comes to us learning facts, we learn these things from people, don't we? We learn them from people, but because mankind is just so sinful and so carnal, we often create division based on people, don't we? And that's what we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So in chapter 2, that's what we covered this morning here in chapter 3, we see the Apostle Paul starting out talking about, I can't speak unto you as unto spiritual. Now, why did he say this? Because in the chapter before, he's talking about the deep things of God that the Spirit teaches. And he wants to talk to this church about these deep things, but he can't because they're carnal. They're babes in Christ. They're not ready for the meat. He's got to, he's got to feed them with milk. Now, why were they carnal? They were carnal. They were babies because of the fact that they are, that there's divisions and fightings among them. You got some saying, I'm of Paul, other I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, creating all this division in the church. And when people come together as a church and start creating division, it's only the sin nature that's going to cause that. Okay. The Spirit of God is not about that. The Spirit of God is going to bring unity and it's going to, it's the flesh that's going to cause division. And notice how they used people to do it. So they've got a fight going on in the church. You got Brother Matt over here. Maybe he's having a dispute with Brother Aaron. And, you know, Brother Matt, you know, he's feeling like he's losing the argument a little bit. So it helps if he can say, well, you know what? I got Pastor so-and-so on my side. You know, and they're having an argument on Facebook. And so then he starts sharing clips, you know, of, you know, Pastor Anderson, you know, maybe uh, preaching a, something along the lines, agreeing with him. And he's like, well, I'll show him. You know, and he shows a clip of me preaching something that goes along with what he says. And then it's, it's like the, you know, clip war going on. Yeah, you say that would never happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. You're new to this thing. Yeah, it happens all the time. And it's petty. It's childish. It's carnal. There's nothing spiritual about it at all. Nothing. And so that's what he's dealing with here in chapter 3. And we don't have time to go through all of chapter 3, but there's a lot of good stuff in there. And he's just explaining how 
You know, he that planteth is nothing, either is he that watereth. It's God that gives the increase. Ultimately, it's God that gets the job done. Ultimately, it's God that gets people saved. Okay? Ultimately, while I can preach things to you, if it's really going to make a difference, it's the Holy Spirit that's got to teach you. And I hope it's my desire that the Holy Spirit will use me to teach you things so you'll actually get it, so you'll really understand it, so it'll be real to you. And not you just doing it. I don't want you all doing the things that you do just out of submission to me. I want you to do it because you're doing it from the heart. You're convinced by the Holy Ghost that it is the right thing to do, and then you're just going to do it. That's, that's where we want to be. Because now we've got a congregation of people serving God and not man. And then we're going to be a lot less likely to become a cult. And so, something that many people are anxious to do in this attempt to create division based on men, like we see going on here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, is they like to expose the false prophets. It's a pretty common thing. And did you know exposing false prophets is something that we should do? You know, that's a good thing. You know, we ought to mark them. We ought to expose false prophets. But how do we do that job of exposing the false prophets without getting caught up in crazy witch hunts? That's what I want to talk about tonight is avoiding witch hunts. Because we are supposed to expose false prophets, but we don't want to go on witch hunts. We don't want to go falsely accusing people of things. And we don't want to go misjudging people and getting out of line and getting involved in a lynch mob and things like that. That's bad. We don't want to do this. And if we are going to get these things right, you know what you're going to have to have? Some spiritual discernment. You're going to have to have spiritual discernment if you're going to get these things right. It's not a matter of how many facts you can learn. It's a matter of spiritual discernment. And that's what people are missing and why they often get this wrong. So how do we avoid this? Well, quickly before we get into chapter 4, which is what I want to focus on, is... We're supposed to beware of false prophets, but we don't hunt for false prophets. Y'all understand that? You know, the Bible says to beware of false prophets. Why? Because they creep in among you. Okay? And so, obviously, it's something we're always ready for. We know that it's possible. So we're going we're gonna to be careful. We're going to watch for that. But we're not going to go hunting them, especially if they're in another church. I mean, do we really need to go hunting down all the false prophets, you know, in Timbuktu, you know, it, you know, we're supposed to worry about them coming in among us. That's what we don't want. And even when it comes to being among us, you know what? We're going to give people some slack. All right. Don't when people come in here, do not give them the third degree as soon as they walk in this church. You know, how'd you find out about us? You know, what church you go to before? You know, and just and treating them like they're some kind of criminal or an infiltrator. You know, they. They might be somebody that's from a crummy church here in town, and they're just trying us out. Do we really think they're just going to waltz in here and just be on the same page with us on everything? Of course not. They might not even be saved. But you know what we're going to do? We are going to be kind to them. We are going to be gracious towards them. We're going to be put, we're even going to be willing to put up with a bunch of junk from them. Why? Because we want to help them. You know, we're solid on what we believe. So we're going to treat everyone, and get this, as innocent until proven guilty. I, I understand. That's not in the Bible either, but that's a great concept too. Innocent until proven guilty. I have seen recently Baptist preachers 
Baptist preachers basically demanding that other preachers prove that they're not false prophets and prove that they're saved and right on salvation. Michael Johnson did that the other day. People were accusing another pastor of being a false prophet and stuff. And Michael Johnson, who's always wanting to expose everybody, you know, he's, he's on there basically saying, well, you know what? You know, where's the proof that he's clear on salvation? Well, you know what? Where's the proof that he's not? Okay, where's the proof that he's a false prophet? Okay, I, you don't just get to accuse people and then they have to man their innocence. As far as I know, you know, Brother Matt robbed the gas station this week. Prove you didn't. Account for your whereabouts for the last week. You know what? We can't have any thieves in our church. And you know what? I just accused them of it. And you know, what's your defense? Where were you all week? You know, and, and where's the proof? You know, I, I mean, you, you can't do that. You realize how stupid that is. But yet we've got people out there doing that. They hear a clip. They hear a bad line. You know how many times I've misspoke preaching and I've said things that were flat out heresy, you know, just because it just came out wrong. But, you know, you all got it. You all knew what I was talking about. You've, you've heard me say enough times that salvation is by grace that if I one time accidentally say it's by works, and I said, apparently I said that one time, you all know I don't think that. Okay? You all, you get that. Okay? And, you know, that, that kind of thing is going to happen. But, you know, the burden of proof is on the accuser. And you better have the goods. Boy, if you're if you're accusing somebody of being unsaved, that's a pretty big accusation, especially if they're a pastor of a church. I mean, you got a pastor of a fundamental Baptist church, and then somebody's just going to come. I don't think he's saved. Why not? He said, "Repent of sins." It's on a, you know their statement of faith. That's not doesn't prove anything. It, it proves you don't understand the old I feet. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. But people are innocent until proven guilty. The burden of proof is on the accuser. And you know what? Here's the other thing, too, that you got to take into consideration is who made you the prosecutor in this situation? That's something to think about there, too. Okay. All right, great. You got the goods. Who cares? Who are you to this guy? What jurisdiction do you have? Why do they matter to you? you, know, it, you, you we need to take these things into consideration. And so we've got to use spiritual discernment. Somebody, some of us actually know how to tell the difference between someone who just makes a mistake and someone who's a devil. Some of us can tell. You know, and none of us are perfect on this, but some of us are pretty good, and some people just stink. You know, and a lot of it's because of lack of experience. You know, and I recommend, if you don't have a lot of experience in the IFB world, that you be careful judging the IFB world. There's a lot of things that you probably just don't understand. Hang around for a little while and you'll figure some things out. You'll learn some things. You'll have some discernment. Don't feel bad if this is new to you and you don't know that much about it. Okay? Don't, don't, you don't have to feel bad about that, but you should feel like an idiot if you haven't been around it that long and yet you're out there judging everybody. Then you should feel like an idiot because you are, in fact, an idiot. So look what it says, though, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. So in chapter 2, we talk about the salvation, the things we learn about after salvation. In chapter 3, we see him talking about the division based on people. That's wrong. It's childish. It's carnal. He can't give them the meat. He can't talk about the deep things that he was talking about in chapter 2. He can't share with them the things that God has revealed to him through the Spirit of God because they're too stinking carnal. And so we'll jump down to verse 21 of 1 Corinthians 3. And it says, Therefore... Let no man glory 
in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ, and Christ is God. Look at that. Let Therefore, let no man glory in men. Okay, do you know you prove nothing when you're having an argument and you prove I'm on your side when you use my clip? You prove nothing. I'm all for using clips to just get messages out there and promote things. But when you use them to cause contention and division, you're just an idiot. That's all there is to it. Some of you don't know how to tell the difference between that either. You you don't know when to do these things, when not to do these things. Because you have no spiritual discernment. And until you get some, I recommend just don't do anything. Right? Just that, This is a wonderful rule of thumb. When you're just not sure what to do, just keep your mouth shut. Yes. Man, the trouble. We all would have avoided if we'd have just kept our mouth shut. Yes, sir. Amen, all spouses in here? Yes, all right. What gets you in more trouble than anything? It's the mouth. And if you'd have just kept quiet, man, why did I have to say that? And it was a great comeback. But you all understand in the married life, the better your comeback, the more trouble you're in. I mean, yeah, you roasted her good, but you're going to pay for that roasting. So, you know, that's not, that's not a good thing. So Paul, you know, he got on to them in chapter 3 because they were creating division based on men. So now we're in chapter 4. Now let's look at what it says in chapter 4. It says, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. All right. So now if you claim to be a steward of the mysteries of God, you've got these things all figured out. You know the deep things. You've got spiritual understanding. You understand the things that I had not seen nor ear heard. Neither had it entered into the heart of man, but God has revealed them to you. So you understand these things. You understand the deep things. You understand the hidden wisdom. All right, that's who you are. You figure that out. If that's the case, then if you are a steward of the mystery of God, it's required that you be found faithful. That's what the Bible says. And so, if you are going to make that claim, we should be able to assume that you have a track record of faithfulness. And nobody is down on anybody in here if you're new to being a Christian. We all... Got started somewhere, didn't we? It's not, it doesn't matter where you're at in your Christian walk as long as you're just walking in the right direction. And if you're new to this thing, wonderful. I hope we always have new Christians in this church. I hope we always have babes in Christ in this church. Just like we don't want to ever become a church that's just all old people and no young children in the church, I hope we're never a church that's just all mature Christians that we always have new people coming through here. Okay, so nobody's criticizing you if you're new to this thing, but understand until you have been found faithful, until you have proven yourself, you know, understand you're not you're not going to be a steward. You're not somebody that we're going to give maybe certain ministries to certain authority to. We're just not ready yet. You've got to prove yourself. That kind of thing takes time. Faithfulness takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't just you don't get to declare, you know, I'm faithful. You know, you don't just get to come to me and say, Pastor Tommy, what all do I need to do to be a faithful steward? You know, and then me give you a list and then you start doing those things for a week. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, no, it's going to take time. Time tells all. Okay, time, truth is going to be revealed in time. 
And so you ought to have a track record of faithfulness. And I find that interesting because many people I see out there always wanting to call out the false prophets do not have a track record of faithfulness. And just understand that you're going to bother me a little bit if you've been saved for less than three years, all right, 30 months, and you want to call out the guy who's been faithfully serving the Lord for 30 years. All right, you know, don't be surprised if I don't take you real serious. Okay? Until you have showed yourself a faithful steward of the mysteries of God. Meaning you understand the deep things. Meaning you're past the carnal junk of I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos. You've got the deep things. You've got the hidden wisdom. Therefore, you've shown that you've got spiritual discernment. Okay? And it's, it's never these people that are doing that. It's always people who haven't been saved very long. They get saved and within a couple years, they're just ready to expose every false prophet that's out there. And they're just shooting everything that moves. And it's not right. It's not good. So, you know, you've got to remember, we are just stewards. That's all we are, okay? Me, I am just a steward. I'm somebody that God has given uh, an office to in His ministry. This is His church. God has put me as, the, you know, the pastor of this church. I am just a steward over something that's His. This isn't my church. It's His. And I'm a steward of that. And it's and I was put in this position because I had been found faithful in my previous church. I had people that laid hands on me that had, had known me my whole life and that had seen what my work, they'd seen what I had done, and they accounted me faithful, and they were willing to send me out. Okay, and so we're we're just stewards. Okay, I don't own the goods; I just take care of them. Y'all understand that? Okay, it would be kind of like if you got. Let's say you got put in charge. I've been hearing Elon Musk's name a lot, all right? I guess he's one of the big billionaires, okay? You know, let's say he put you in charge of one of his homes. You were the caretaker. You took care of the house. You took care of all his stuff, okay? Now, wouldn't it be revolting if I became the steward of Elon Musk's stuff and then I was going around acting like it was mine? Hey, check out my house. You know, check out my cars, check out, you know, all these things that I have. And, you know, it's wonderful if you could be a steward of something like that. If he's like, you know what, I want you to live in my house, take care of it, watch it. I mean, now, would that make me a billionaire? No. But would I be living like a billionaire? Well, yeah, I would, wouldn't I? I mean, if I'm driving his cars, if I'm doing all these things, that's a pretty good deal, isn't it? But do I get to brag about that? Look at all that I've accomplished. Look at all that I've gotten for myself. No, none of it's mine. And, you know, being put in the ministry, it's a wonderful thing. It's a great thing. This is a fantastic thing we have going here. But, you know, it's not mine. It's the Lord's. I'm just, I'm just fortunate enough, I'm blessed enough to be a steward of it. But I don't get to brag on it, do I? I, I shouldn't get lifted up with pride. I'm just a steward. The one that you should be impressed with, if I'm the steward of Elon Musk's stuff, you should be impressed with him, not with me. And if God has made me a steward of the mysteries of God, of the things of God, you know who you should get impressed with when you hear the preaching? You should get impressed with God, not me. I'm just a steward. God gave me some of these, God showed some of these things to me so I could share them with everybody else. But if all it's doing is get you impressed with me, I'm failing somewhere, aren't I? I it should get you impressed with God. That's the way it should be. The Dillon home. How many has ever been in the Dillon home over in Sterling? All right, so you've been in the Dillon home. Uh, you know, Dillon was 
a rich guy here in town. They got that house and you know, belongs to the city now. You can go look at it. We went and did a tour of it a long time ago. And, you know, that house has been very well kept up. There's a lot of really valuable antiques and things in there that are very well preserved. And I remember when we were going through the, uh, there on the, on the tour, uh, the lady that was giving us the tour, I commented on just how well preserved everything was there. I was impressed by that. And I mentioned that, and she was just like, well, thank you very much. She took that as a huge compliment. You know why? Because she's kind of the caretaker of the place. And so she, she, you know, appreciated that. And I didn't even realize when I said that that I was complimenting her, but she is. She was kind of the main one that does all that. That's just kind of her job, and she takes it serious. And, that, and she, she kind of treats that like it's her house, but not in a bad way, not in a prideful way. She's taken ownership of everything there in the sense that she wants it to be well-preserved and well-kept. And that's a good attitude. And that's how we ought to be. We ought to be like, man, the Lord has put us in charge of some wonderful things. We ought to handle these things with great care. That's the attitude that we ought to have. And that's what he's talking about here. So in verse 3, but at the end of the day, we're just stewards. Okay, Don't be impressed so much with the caretaker over there. You know, be impressed with Dylan. And what he, what he accomplished, not so much her. Thank God for her that's doing a good job of being a good steward. But Dylan is the real one that people would get impressed with when looking at that house. Same thing, too, when it comes to the things of God that we teach. You don't get impressed with the man. Thank God for the man that teaches you these things. But ultimately, we, are, we get impressed and we get fascinated with Jesus. That's the way it should be. So verse 3. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self. For I know nothing by myself. Yet am I not hereby justified, but he that judgeth me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. Do you know that God is going to reveal what needs to be known in his time. Do you know that if there's a wolf that makes it through life without ever being identified, we don't need to worry about it. God's going to get him. Have you ever read Jude? The Lord's going to take care of the false prophets and he's going to get them good. And the Lord's going to do way more to them than you could ever do with a YouTube clip. He's going to do way more to them. I mean, we can do some serious damage with the YouTube clip these days. You know, you can get somebody reprobated from the movement and, you know, lose half their church and things like that. And that's pretty pathetic. But, you know, that's just that, that's the way it is. But it's nothing compares to what God's going to do to the real false prophets. And if there's a pro false prophet out there somewhere that, you know what, I just never notice. I fail to identify. I just don't see. The Lord's not going to be mad at me for that. He's going to take care of He's going to take care of them. He's going to get all of them in his time. And so, and, you know, sometimes he might want them revealed on this earth. And if he shows them to us, great. If he reveals it and puts us in a position where we are in a situation where we should judge, we'll do it. But we don't need to go hunting for him. We don't need to go looking for him. So in verse six says, in these things, brethren, I have in a figure transferred to myself and to Apollos for your sakes that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. See that term puffed up again, full of hot air. And he's saying part of why they were this way, part of the reason they got puffed up, why? It's because of the fact they were putting more on men than they deserve. 
They were giving men more credit than they deserved. He's telling them, you need to learn not to think more highly of men than what you're supposed to. Obviously, we do see, and we talked about this thing, it was last week or the week before, there is a certain level of respect that, uh, that a pastor should get and for the office of a pastor. You know, we should esteem people who uh, got us saved and have taught us the things of God very highly in love, but we're not going to do more than what God said to do. We're not going to go make a statue of them. You know, we're not going to go pray into them. We're not going to let their, what they say trump the word of God. You know, we're not going to go and do these things, but that's often what people tend to do. And he's saying, don't do that because all it does is it gets you puffed up one against another. Again, okay, I got, I got Pastor so-and-so in my corner. I got Pastor... Why? What's the point of this? You're going to settle your argument with the man. And folks, especially in this movement, often the argument is settled by a man. Not by the Holy Spirit, not by the Scriptures, but when the right man stands up and says, this is how it is, that ends it with a lot of people. That's how sorry they are. That's how highly they think of man. And I'm not trying to pick on the man that does that. There are people out there that, you know, whatever the argument's going to be, I'm on Pastor Tommy's side. Well, you know what? You stink. Okay? You're thinking of me more highly than you ought to think, and you're out of line. And you're just as bad as anybody else that would do that with any other pastor. So don't, you know, don't act like you're all great because of that kind of stuff. It's not right. So we shouldn't use men to create factions or get full of ourselves. And it's, it's lost people that do that type of thing. It lost people do that. That's very common with lost people. You know, but, and, you know, saved people can do it too. We see that happening in chapter three, but it's because they were carnal. It's because they were babes in Christ. Do you really want that title? Do you want that to be you? We see that politically, isn't that what people do? I mean, as long as Donald Trump says it, they're on that side. It's right. You know, whatever Donald Trump says, it goes for me. For others, it's going to be Joe Biden. Whatever, whatever they say, that's, that's what I believe. What are they doing? They're just surrounding themselves with men. They're thinking of men more highly than they ought to think, and that's wrong. You know, Republicans... They were all against a lot of gun control things and big government when Obama was in office. But now that Trump's in office, all of a sudden they're not that much against big government. You know, it, it, all of a sudden they completely changed when it's a Republican in office. And, you know, Trump has done a ton of power grabbing since he's been in office. And when he gets out, you know, eventually it'll probably be another Democrat. And then they'll do a power grab in other areas. And then Republicans will freak out. We'll go back to a Republican, and then he'll do a power grab in other areas. At the end of the day, they all power grab. At the end of the day, they all keep getting more power, but people just go along with whatever they say because they have hitched their wagon to a man, and that's not right. You know, we, we got our allies, you know. If you're a conservative, you, know, you we've got Rush Limbaugh. We've got Sean Hannity. You know, we got Tucker Carlson. Who do they got? Anderson Cooper and Rachel Maddow. They got all the homos, right? You know, and so, man, it's so lame, right? And if you get caught up in that, that's even more pathetic than doing that with preachers. Right? It really is. And it's bad with preachers, too. But verse 7 says, For who maketh thee to defer from another, and what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou hast not received it? Now, get this, folks. 
You know why? Okay, you know why you're all so good? You know why you're all so clear in the gospel? You all know why you are so right and you are so much more righteous than everybody else. You know why you've got your terminology down. You've got all your facts right. I mean, you've got it all, folks. You know why you got it? Because I gave it to you. And another, or another pastor gave it to you. Okay, and I'm, I'm being funny here. Okay. But understand, it's because somebody gave this to you. Somebody taught this to you. And you are blessed to have received something from people who actually were right with God. People who had received much of what I give you, I received from somebody else myself. And you're just, you were blessed to have been put under somebody who has been, is giving you good things. There's other people out there that are just as sincere as you are. But they have not been blessed at the same level as maybe you have been. They've been put under people who haven't been given as much. But you know, many of those people, while they might not have everything that we have, they're doing the best they have with what they have been given. And God is using them, and God is blessing them, and they're good people. And maybe they don't have everything we have. Maybe they haven't been blessed to have been enlightened with the reprobate doctrine and with the post-trib pre-wrath doctrine and replacement theology. Maybe they haven't been blessed with these wonderful gems that just happen to make such great and wonderful spirit-filled Christians. All right? Maybe they haven't. Right? Being sarcastic. But at the same time, you know, why would we brag? It, we, that was given to us. Do we not? We don't brag about our salvation, do we? Because that was just given to us, right? Well, the things that we've learned after salvation, it's things that somebody gave us. So why would we get puffed up about that? All right, thank God you have been given good terminology. So you don't send any mixed messages. But somebody else might not have been given that. That doesn't mean let's go hunt them down. Let's expose them. Did you hear what they said? Can you believe they said this? Not everybody has been given... You know, they haven't had the whole, you know, wonderful doctrinal statement handed to them. You know, it's just, it's not a big deal in some places. Nobody's ever challenged them on it. And when, the, when it finally does get brought up to them, it's by somebody telling them they're an unsaved devil. Why would they listen to you? They, listen, I've said it before. You tell me I'm not saved. I don't even flinch. I just think you're weird. Because you cannot convince me that I am not saved when I have the Holy Spirit with me. I have the Holy Spirit. You can't convince me otherwise. And these people have the Holy Spirit too. So when some know-it-all knucklehead comes along, telling them they're not saved, they're like, you are an idiot. And that idiot might be right on their facts. But they're still an idiot. And that person's not going to listen to them. You're not helping anybody. You're just getting puffed up. You're creating division. You're carnal. That's all there is to it. And that's not what God wants. And so the truth is, Jesus said here, Paul saying here, for who maketh thee to defer one from another? That means there's differences in us. Where did those differences come from? I believe it's God that made us to defer one from another. Why? Because there's some things that God has given us that he hasn't given to other people. Why hasn't he given it to them yet? I think they should have it. Well, you're not God. He'll give it to them when he feels that they need it. He'll, he'll give it to them in his time. He knows what he's doing. Well, I don't understand why God, who hath known the mind of the Lord? You know, that's, this would be a great opportunity for you to just mind your own business since you don't know the mind of the Lord. Since you're not there to say, you know what, I'm going to leave it in God's hands. 
You know what? Next time you find that false prophet, say, Lord, you know, just tell, tell, you know, go tattle to God and tell him. You know, why would you tattle to a Facebook group? Hey, I found this guy on the other side of the country who's a heretic. I just thought I'd let all you in this Facebook group know. I know none of you live there, none of you go to that church, but, you know, I'm here for you. Now, I think you're here for yourself. I think you're, I think you're wanting some attention. I think you want to see a lynching. You want to see a cyber lynching that happens all the time. So, so this is important, what he said here, because the things we know, the things they were given to us, so why would we boast about it? Why would we be contentious? Like he talked about in chapter 3 and verse 5 when he said, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? God, you know, God knows us better than we know ourselves. God knows that some of you will thrive under my leadership, but you wouldn't under somebody else's leadership. There's other people out there who God loves, that God wants to save, who wouldn't do well under my leadership, and they will under somebody else's. And so God puts those kind of people in his life. At the end of the day, we're just ministers. We're just who God chose to use. We don't get to brag about that. So why would you use man to create division? It's a, it's a really, it's a bad thing. It's a very carnal thing to do. See, we were all wrong on things at one time in our life, but somebody corrected us. And so what you need to ask yourself too, when it comes to the areas where you've been corrected, is how are you corrected? Okay, often we're corrected through preaching. Maybe even through hard preaching. Well, I've learned a lot of things from, you know, watching messages online or even being at messages in person where the preacher just gets up and he rips face and he nails my eye to the wall. But, you know, we all kind of like that, too, because it's not real personal, isn't it? Now, it'd be different if he'd been up there the whole time. You know, Tommy McMurray, you know, he's pointing at you, calling you out by name and nailing your eye to the wall then. Then pride's going to set in. But when we know it's kind of in general, you know, we can just kind of, and take it internally. Let the Holy Spirit speak to us and fix us. You know, we might have been corrected by someone lovingly reproving us. Where somebody came to us who actually knew us. Somebody that we actually knew. Somebody who we knew loved us. And they came and said, hey, you're wrong. You want to know what one of the hardest things is? This is hard for me. Maybe it's not for everybody, but it is for me. Because, you know, I, I don't, I'm not the kind of person I don't want to hurt people's feelings. Okay? And one thing I've, I've had to do before and I don't like doing it, it doesn't make me feel good to do it, is when you have to give those loving rebukes. And I've had to just you know, tell people, hey, you messed up. And I don't like doing that. I don't want to make people feel bad. But I'm not doing, I'm not doing you any good. You know, those of you that want to be pastors someday, you know, don't get mad at me when I do that. In fact, if you do get mad at me, it shows you're not real mature, you don't have a lot of wisdom. Okay? A wise man, he's going he's gonna to be thankful for that. You know, rebuke a wise man and he will love thee. And when that happens, don't get bent out of shape, but understand, I don't like doing that. But if I do it, you know, you know it's because I actually care about you and want to see you do the right thing on the right path, and I don't want to see you mess up. And I'm willing to risk making you mad at me if, it, if I think it will help you. But I don't enjoy doing that type of thing at all, but, and, and it's, you know, and I've, I've, you know, my dad had to do that to me, you know, several times when I was there at the church over there, and it never feels good. But at the same time, I could take it because I know they care. And, you know, that's a good way to do it. You know, some of us may have been corrected by a harsh rebuke. You know, I've had some harsh rebukes before that were personal. Not maybe not necessarily public, but they were, you know, to me, they were harsh, they were personal. 
Those aren't fun either. But, you know, I don't know of anyone who was ever corrected, ever, by someone who was on a smear campaign against that person before they'd ever even talked to him. I've never even heard of that. I talked to a preacher one time that, I'm not, I'm not lying, this was a while back, who I thought he was going to start crying. I really did. I thought this guy was going to start crying because some people in this movement, I mean, went on a smear campaign against him. I mean, were just attacking some things that he said. And there was some bad terminology he used. He said some bad clips. And he found out, he heard what these preachers were saying about him. He's like, man, that is not what I believe. And, you know, I, I think at the end, end of the day, it helped him because he's realized, you know, I need to work on my terminology. I need to watch this. You know, and I think it probably helped him. But at the end of the day, he was so viciously attacked. He's like, you know what? I don't have, want to have anything to do with this crowd. And I didn't blame him. Now, I've, had, I've had many preachers say, you know, there's something seriously wrong with you new eye beers. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know. So you know, why, are you, why are you involved with him? I like him. I, you know, I, I love him. I can't help it. You know, it's, just, it's the way I am. But, yeah, there, there's some serious issues. And I'm telling you, man, we turn off more people than anything by that type of thing. That's not right. Nobody's ever been helped. And you know what? It's not the goal. People on witch hunts aren't out to help them. They're not out to help anybody. They're out to destroy. They want to see somebody burned at the stake or hung by the neck. That's what they want to see. And so, you know, not everyone that is flawed or has incomplete information or who is even wrong in some area is a false prophet. Now, turn over to Acts chapter 18. I want to show you something here in Acts chapter 18. I think this is very interesting. I think if you, and I don't have a whole lot of time to spend on this, but I notice what it says in Acts 18.24. It says, A certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. I believe this is the same Apollos that Paul was talking about. It says, the man was instructed in the way of the Lord and being fervent in the spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Now notice this. So understand, there's been kind of a transition here from the Old Testament to the New Testament. So this man, Apollos, he's preaching. He knows the way of the Lord, but he only knows what John gave him. Okay. Now understand a lot of things changed after John the Baptist's ministry was pretty short, wasn't it? And then, you know, what changed after John the Baptist's ministry? Well, Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose again from the dead. The Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. I mean, a lot of things had changed during that time. And so you have Priscilla and Aquila here. They hear him preaching. And notice, he's not preaching Jesus. He's preaching the baptism of John. Now, if Aquila and Priscilla would have been in the new IFD, you know what they'd have done? They'd have made a video about him, posted it on YouTube, labeling him a Judaizer, therefore a reprobate. That's what they would have done. But the truth is, he just had incomplete information. Because notice what it says in verse 26. It says, And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them, and expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. You know why they did this? Here's why they did this. Because they came from where he was from. They knew, they understood, hey, I remember when what he has is all we had. So they heard him and they're like, I could, I know where he's at. We can help this guy. 
So they got to him and they didn't call him out. They didn't stand up in the group and try to embarrass the man. They go, hey, you need to come talk to us. Let us tell you what we learned. And they went and they gave him the rest of the information. And you know what? Because he was a good guy, he took it. He took it and he learned. See, when they heard him, they knew he was for real because they were where he was just a short time ago. So they were able to connect with him. And you know what? If a new now during this time, if a new convert, let's say, who was not from Judaism, if they would have heard him preaching, they'd have been really confused. They might have thought this guy is a heretic. I mean, here he is. Pre he's talking about the baptism of John. What's that even all about? Why isn't he talking about Jesus Christ? You know, Paul, this guy's probably a reprobate. That's probably what they would have done because they weren't from that background. But Aquila and Priscilla, they were, hey, this guy's one of us. We just got to help him out a little bit and he'll get it right. And sure enough, he did. And you know what? We see the same thing in the IFB world. You know, there's a lot of people that are in the old IFB who there's some things that they just they haven't gotten quite right. There's some things that have not been given to them that have been given to us. People like me who are from that world, I hear these people and I was like, I, me, me and them, we're buddies. We're the same spirit. Yeah, I guarantee you, if they heard me preach a reprobate doctrine right now, they'd probably get really mad at me. But I'm telling you, that's my brother right there. I mean, this this guy is one of us. I can I hear these people in the old IFB who often say things that aren't exactly right, who use bad terminology, who are saying, you know what, I'm looking for the upper taker right now. He can come before the service is over. I mean, they're doing the altar. They're doing all the things we're not supposed to do. But I'll, I'll hear that person like, Man, yeah, that is my brother. I know them. And, you know, and if it actually is something important, you know, a lot of these people, too, I'm like, you know, I think I can help this person out. I, I think if they heard the truth from someone who wasn't a raving lunatic, I think they'd get it. I, I think, I think, you know, if they have, they'll be more likely to come around to the truth on some things if they hear it from me rather than the guy who just declared them unsaved. That, that's how I feel. And that's what we see here with Apollos and Priscilla and Aquila. And that's why these I refuse to even listen to charges made against old IFB preachers from those who were never even in the old IFB. I, I don't care what you say. You have no idea what you're talking about. And that's fine, folks. Some of you never were a part of that. Some of you have never been involved in that movement. You have no idea what's going on. That's fine. You don't need to know that, but you know what? Don't judge them. You have no idea what you're talking about. There's a lot more saved people in there than you think. There's a lot of great, wonderful people there, and we've seen it too, how in tr this tribulation that's been going on, they're doing just fine. You know why? Because they got the Holy Spirit. Because they're the real deal. They're saved. They're proven that they've got what it takes, and when the whenever the... Tribulation comes, you better believe those people will be there doing great exploits. You better believe that they'll be out there getting their head cut off and refusing to take the mark of the beast. You better believe they're going to be doing it. Just while there's going to be a lot of people on our side, we're going to be seeing bowing the knee to the image of the Antichrist and taking the mark. You better believe that's going to happen. You know why? Because they got all the facts. They know all the answers, but they got nothing in here. They got nothing spiritually. And so they're going to be deceived. The Antichrist will be able to see them because they're not the elect. But these people in the, in the IFB, they are. 
and they're going to, they're going to do just fine. So look at verse 27. It says that when he was disposed to pass to Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the disciples to receive him, who when he was come, helped them much, which had believed through grace, for he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. So because of this man's ability to expound the scriptures, that it mentioned that he was good at, his own, his own personal gifts that he had were different than theirs, and he was able to reach a group of people that they couldn't. This guy was good at reaching the Jews. Why? That's where that guy was from. This guy, God had given him special gifts and special abilities that he was able to use in a special way, and his ways were different. He was really good with the Jews, where Paul was better with the Gentiles. Paul was always getting in trouble with the Jews. You know, what was wrong with Paul? Nothing. Paul was what God had made him to be. Apollos was who God wanted him to be. God made Paul the way he made him because God wanted Gentiles to get saved. God made Apollos the way he made him because he wanted Jews getting saved too. We're, you know, who, who made you to defer one from another? God did. And you better believe there's going to be some differences. Not everybody's going to do everything the way we do in this church. They might do things a little bit different. That's fine. God's going to use them to get some stuff done. And it's God that made them different. God uses all kinds. And so God uses different methods, different personalities, and even different approaches to the same method. Even when it comes to the plan of salvation, Peter in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repent and be baptized. Heretic. <laughs> Heretic. That's what a lot of new eye fears would say. And I don't have, I wish I had time. I, I don't have time to do this. We're out of time. I, I, I was kind of hoping to get into why they used the wording and the method they used to the crowd. Because it was the crowd that they were talking to. It was the hangups that they had that they were dealing with. There was a very good reason they used the, used the methods they did. The Apostle Paul in Acts 30, 6, 13, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. That's a different presentation than what Peter did. In Acts 17.30, Paul speaking to idolatrous people said, At the times of this ignorance, God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. Why did he do that? You know, why is he back to Peter's gospel now? You know, are the Ruckmanites right that Peter and Paul had different gospels? No. It's because he's talking to idolatrous people. They're trusting in statues. They're trusting in false gods. They've got to repent of that. This, this jailer, this Gentile jailer, he wasn't trusting in anything. He wasn't even looking for righteousness. He wasn't like the Jews who were trying to establish their own righteousness. He just needed to hear the gospel. He needed to hear about Jesus Christ. And that's what they did. That's what they told him. We see Jesus. In John chapter 3, verse 3, he said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, what does that even mean? That's not clear. I know some preachers that would accuse him of muddy salvation. Being born again? I had a guy today tell me when I knocked on his door that he was a born-again atheist. And I said, well, how does that work? And he's like, works just fine. That was all he, that was all he told me. I don't, I don't know how that works. I don't know what that means. He confused me. All right, whatever, he was, whatever he was pushing was muddy. Because right, I, I don't get it at all. But folks, Jesus said this for a reason. He's talking to a guy who thinks... I'm Abraham's seed. I'm a Jew. I'm all good. Jesus is telling, hey, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit. You cannot see the kingdom of God. 
he, he used a specific method for a specific guy who had a specific need. Who had something specifically in his heart that he needed to get right and that he needed to change. And Jesus knew what it was. We see in John 4.14, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up in everlasting life. I wish I could talk about why he used that illustration with this person. But that's not the same. Why didn't he tell her, the woman at the well, you must be born again? Why didn't he tell her that? Maybe it's because she was a Samaritan and already thought she's in trouble. You know, being a Samaritan doesn't have a chance. But he's telling her, no, you just need to drink the water of life. You just need to trust me. You know, the, you know, the Father's looking for those who worship him in spirit and in truth. doesn't matter where you're from. doesn't matter what you've done. It's what's in your spirit. It's what's in your heart. There's a lot of things we could say about that. In Luke 13, 3, Jesus said, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Some people call Jesus a heretic. You know, well, you know I, I, I heard somebody say the other day on that, because I, I interviewed that street preacher who mentioned repentance and faith. And the thing is, when this guy clarified, you know, it was, it was clear that he was clear. They're like, you know, he probably, somebody was saying something about how you should probably think about how you use the word repentance. You know, I don't know if that's, it's like, it, it, it's just amazing how triggered people get by that word. Or people, I've seen it when they have it on their doctrinal statement and they start accusing them of being a heretic. Well, now they've got to prove that they're not. Well, why don't we make Jesus prove he wasn't a heretic when he told him to repent? What did he mean by that? You know, why did he use that word? Why didn't he define repentance? I'd like to see his doc, Jesus' doctrinal statement to know what he meant by repentance right there. You know, it's just, it's a weird attitude. We said in John, in John 6.35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Folks, when they heard Jesus say, I am the bread of life, they got mad and they all went home. Okay? We would call that a failure, wouldn't we? But you know, the problem is, their hearts were not right. They came wanting physical bread. They didn't want what Jesus was offering. They didn't want those spiritual things. They rejected him is what happened. Now, some people might try to blame the message. But folks, we know the message wasn't the problem. We know the messenger wasn't the problem. But you know, these people didn't get it because the Holy Spirit didn't teach them anything. Their ears were dull of hearing. And it wasn't because they were going deaf. Spiritually, they were dull of hearing. Jesus said in John 10, 9, I am the door. He's using all these different illustrations. He's using all these different methods. Why? Because at the end of the day, the gospel is not just death, burial, resurrection. Anybody can learn those three facts. Say, what is the gospel? Death, burial, resurrection. But wait, do you understand why it's a death, burial, and resurrection? Do you understand the significance of that? Do you understand you know, what these things mean? The Holy Spirit's what teaches us these things. And a lot of these people in the Bible, what Jesus preached to, didn't get it. It wasn't the message. There was something wrong in their spirit. You know, why didn't Jesus stick to the script? Okay. Why didn't Jesus just say, hey, if you die today, are you 100% sure you're going to go to heaven? Why didn't he say that? We do that all the time and it works great. Jesus would have got a lot more people saved if he had said that. No, he wouldn't have. No, no, he wouldn't have. You think we know better? You know, it's about the message, and the message is faith in Jesus Christ. It's a spiritual message. It's spiritually discerned, and without the help of the Holy Spirit, no one will get it. Some of you all think your presentation should start out with, you know, the Bible's really clear about salvation. It's not based on how good you are. A lot of people think they're pretty good, you know. Some of you all know where that's coming from, don't you? That's what some of you all think all presentations should start with. Otherwise, it's heresy. 
that's you know that's that's pretty messed up. And you know, said everybody's looking for a way to just label someone false prophet, label someone reprobate. So they're creating these rules that they came up with. And if people don't say all these things exactly right, they want to just pounce on them. Not understanding, at the end of the day, the message is spiritual. And God can use flawed people who don't have all their I's dotted and T's crossed like we do to get the job done, and He's doing it. Sometimes doing it better with them than He is with us. Because our spirit's not right, because we're out of line. And there's people out there who's much different than I am, who have different terminology, have different methods, but at the end of the day, we are of the same spirit, and I am for those people. And so for me to get contentious with them, it would be for me to be glorying in men based on the things that I have received from men. That's wrong. It's not, it's not hard to find out if someone's of the same spirit, but some, you know, some people are out there, they're looking for the Holy Spirit in people, but some people are looking for a script. And that's wrong. Some people, and I've seen it, they were, Paul Winberger was doing an interview with the pastor in Mississippi, and there was people on the chat. Hey, what does he think about Pastor Anderson? Hey, what does he think about the post-trib doctrine? Hey, has he seen after the tribulation? Make sure you send him after the tribulation. Really? We're, we're going to test people based on how they feel about a certain pastor? That's, that's messed up. And then people wonder why we get accused of being a cult. Because there's some freaks out there trying to make this into one. And it's not right. And at the end of the day, when it comes to finding false prophets, we don't need to go on witch hunts. We should avoid the witch hunts. Stay out of it. Stay out of the witch hunt groups that are out there. There's no spiritual good to those things. At the end of the day, if you have some spiritual discernment, you'll know what you need to know when you need to know it. And that's the important thing you've got to get. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. I pray you'll help us to take these things to heart. Lord, help us not to get caught up in the flesh and to be carnal and act like babies, Lord, and just go around create, causing contention uh, you know, with men, uh, trying to align ourselves with men and glory and men, glory in what we receive, Lord. But help us just be thankful for what we've received and help us just do our best to try to just give what we've been given to those who are willing to take it. Help us not to shove it down their throats but help us to just live in a way and to have the kind of spirit where people actually want what we have because uh, we're actually showing some of the fruit of the spirit. And I pray you'll use us in a great way. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand.